We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Women Worth Knowing. Uh, My name is Jasmine Allnut, and we have something a little bit different today. This is going to throw everybody off, but Cheryl is not with us today uh, for this episode or for the next one. Instead, though, I brought back in, we brought back in a secret weapon, um, (laughs) special guest, my mother. She's back again visiting from England. Um, You guys might remember she came and shared with us uh, last year on Mary Warburton Booth and what was it? Uh, Edith Studd Buxton. Buxton, That's right. And so we have her back again um, to share uh, another a couple women with us. And it's kind of fun because I like how she um, pulls stories, just uh, individual stories from different lives and weaves them together. So we have like a little theme going on here. Mm. And so uh, that's what we're going to be looking at today on Women Worth Knowing. So mom, take it away. Okay, well, (laughs) I thought I'd share um, from the lives of two British women who were missionaries in China, Ah. Caroline Gates Mm. and Mildred Cable, Um, Both of these women experienced extreme stress while fleeing for their lives. Um, But more importantly, they both experienced dynamic visits by the Holy Spirit. Yes. So I thought that would be interesting. Jesus had said in John 14, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Mm -hmm. That which whatsoever (laughs) that I have. Um, said to you in the past. So, um, you know, last time we talked about how the Holy Spirit um, showed Edith and Mary how to um, do their ministry Mm. a more excellent way by being filled and led Mm. by the Holy Spirit. But this time, I just want to look at those times when you are overwhelmed with stress and think there's no way out, Mm. and then suddenly... um, the Holy Spirit comes in in a real tangible way and makes a difference. So anyway, Carolyn Gates, she was a missionary to China um, with the China Inland Mission. She made her decision to be a missionary when she was about 19 or 20. And her service began during that golden season of ministry in China in Mm. the 19th century when Hudson Taylor took everything inland. Yeah. Her contemporaries were people that were just all in, sold out, and just focused on preaching the gospel um, throughout China while the doors still remained open. Caroline was actually working in Shanxi province with Stanley Smith at the Cambridge Seven. and Yeah, we talked about them. Yeah, Yeah, the Cambridge Seven a little bit. Yep, during Priscilla Studd's story. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. When he and his wife went home on a furlough in 1899, Caroline became the senior missionary there. Um, God was doing that beautiful work in China, like I mentioned, but then came 1900, the infamous year, yes, of the Boxer Rebellion, that anti-foreign movement that blamed all of China's ills, Mm -hmm. including bad weather and bad crops, on the foreign um, population in China at that Mm -hmm. time. Specifically Christians, right? Also Christians. Also Christians, yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah. By the end of their bloody summer of wrath, Mm. um, 250 foreign nationals were murdered by the Boxer soldiers Mm. and 79 missionaries belonging to the China Inland Mission. Wow. 
Plus, 2,000 Chinese Christians lost their lives that summer, too. I wonder if it was even more and we just don't have it all recorded. Likely. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. In her long career, Caroline would spend 40 years in China. Um, And in 1920, she adopted three Chinese girls, Mm -hmm. Mary, Grace, and Ruth. She and her daughters returned to England in 1927, and then they shared a home there for 20 years Mm -hmm. um, until Caroline passed away in 1947 at the age of 81. Mm -hmm. But but looking back— Right, so that's like an overview. Yeah, Yeah. to— 1887, she just completed her course of practical medicine in London. She began her study of Mandarin. And then on the 10th of March that year, she set sail with a group of 100 Mm. traveling with Hudson Taylor to serve in China. She began her first term in Hoopa province, um, and there she adopted Chinese dress and became fluent um, in Mandarin. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I think she was a little gifted. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> she established a girls' school and served in Fa Chang until 1891. And then in 1896, she began her work with um, Mr. and Mrs. Stanley Smith. Oh, right. Okay. Establishing a girls' school with a fellow missionary, Alice Troyer. Mm-hmm. Soon after this, um, she moved on to Luan and worked with um, Archibald Glover and Flora. Mm-hmm. And those are the yes. ones that are prominent in, in the story, story today. Right. <laughs> yeah. So the Glovers had been in China for four years, and Flora was seven months pregnant with her third child. Hmm. Um, when the news came that the boxer soldiers were marching in their direction. Well. So on the 7th of July, 1900, they fled south with Caroline in constant threat of attack. Mm. Um, They went with their faithful friend, Sheng Min, Mm. and the Glover children. Um, Headley was four. Oh, my gosh. And Hope was three. So little. And she's pregnant. And she's pregnant. Gosh. Seven months pregnant. So after six weeks of continual death threats, Mm -hmm. extreme mental, emotional, and physical stress, they did finally arrive safely in Wuhan, 14th August, 1900. And their story. Mm-hmm. Have you read it? I know that story. It's I, I wanted to share this story, but I didn't know how I would ever find a chance to. <laughs> so when you mentioned it, I was like, oh, this is perfect. It's it's one of yeah. the most beautifully written mm. stories from missionary adventures yeah, of that time. It it's called A Thousand Miles of Miracle in China by Archibald Glover. Mm-hmm. So I hope yes. people will read that. It's, yes. it's quite amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Carolyn Gates and the Glover family were pursued those thousand miles by boxer soldiers continually. And as I mentioned, they were bitterly anti-foreign and violently anti-Christian. As a senior missionary in Luan, Caroline was under constant strain. Mm. But the faithful Chinese Christians loved her Mm. and made an escape plan. They were going to take her up into the mountains and hide Mm. her in a cave where they could take care of her and keep her safe. They were all listening to see um, what God's direction might be. Should they stay or should they flee? Mm -hmm. And then soon, an edict came calling for the execution of all foreigners. Mm -hmm. And on the 10th day of the sixth moon, it was posted in the Luan's office, their death sentence. The following morning, Archibald opened his Bible in Joshua 8, 5, which said, It shall come to pass that when they come out against us, we will flee before them. Mm -hmm. After breakfast, he and Flora prayed with Caroline, and in their usual devotions, they were reading through the book of Samuel together. Mm. They read from 2 Samuel 15, And David said unto his servants, 
to all that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart. They believed this was God's word for them. Yeah, flee. And they did. (laughs) So they decided to hire muleteers with litters to take them to the China Inland Mission Station in Honan. And from there, they'd go by river to Shanghai, which was an exit port. So the three litters hurried out of the city into the open country with their dog, Bob's, following after them. Cute. Yeah. It was daylight, and when they had covered just three miles, Archibald turned around to see that Caroline was missing. Hmm. Yeah. So they halted, and after several minutes, she appeared, saying that a small band of men had stopped her demanding money. So then they hurried on, and for two steady hours, the robbers and the thieves kept coming and asking for sums of money before they would let them go. From that hour and from 40 days to come, the Glovers and Caroline were to know little rest Hmm. um, day or night and really never free from the threat of death. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, for 40 days. Yeah, (laughs) I know. That's like constant adrenaline rush. I can't even imagine. Yes, exactly. So hard to cope with. Super stress. Um, So when they finally reached Hentian, the muleteers drove them straight into an inn and there they discovered that they were um, in league with the robbers Mm. and they had delivered them into the hands of their enemies. Um, They were going to be held for revenge, for the drought, and for the loss of harvest. And the villagers decided to stone their dog Bobs to death and search their, I know, their mule litters for silver. Caroline and the Glovers hid all the silver that they had on their persons Mm -hmm. and some of it in the communal kang where they were going to be sleeping. But still, Mm. yeah, that wasn't safe enough. Yeah, yeah, they would find (laughs) it. The boxers um, had come. And they were discussing with the villagers what to do um, with the missionaries. They decided that they should pay 200 ounces of silver, or if not, to be put to death. Mm-hmm. Sheng Min, um, their friend, sat on the kang with them and said, the boxers are here and we are going to lose our lives. He leaned his head on Caroline's shoulder and he wept. Mm-hmm. The children clung to their parents and cried, mother, father, are they going to kill us? Mm-hmm. Archibald wrote, What else could we do at such a time but to draw near God? Yeah, so helpless. Uh Uh-huh, and the peace of God actually just washed over them. Mm. And even the children's terror was hushed as they repeated after their mother, Flora, I will trust and not be afraid. Mm. And the children actually fell fast asleep. Amazing. I know. So the missionaries urged young men to leave them and save his life while he might, but but he refused. He wanted Mm. to stay with them. Mm. Soon a junior official from the Yaman's office in Luan came telling them that they owed 200 silver Mm. for all the suffering that they'd caused in the neighborhood. (laughs) Hours later, he conducted a mock trial and the indictment against the foreign devils was read and false witnesses named vile charges against them, Mm. claiming they cut out children's eyes and hearts, bewitched the earth, spoiled their good luck, poisoned their wells, disturbed the sleep of the earth dragon by building (laughs) railways, stopped the rain from falling, frustrated the prayers of the needy, and blasphemed their gods. The crowd became more and more excited over this. And they were unanimously declared unfit to live under the sentence of death. Hmm. Methods of execution were discussed before them. Opium poisoning, beheading by sword, shooting them with a foreign gun, or carrying them outside and letting the mob fall upon them. This last proposal is the one that 
the mob. Um, found, yeah, yeah, general acceptance. And the, the next morning um, was set for, for the deed to be done. Mm. Through the night, Ma, remember the, oh, the official, the right? official yeah. Mandarin, yep, the Mandarin, yeah. searched them for silver all night long. Jeez. At last he found what he longed for and greedily clutched the silver and said, you foreign devils will have to make this up to 200 before we have done with you. Six of his men crowded around as Ma weighed out the silver in that dark room, and Archibald wrote, Every unholy passion lurked in the lust depicted on their faces. Now satisfied, the thieves laid down beside the little group on the communal cane. They wrote, For all this, (laughs) I know, for all this, the grace of God sufficed us, notwithstanding Mm. the intense heat, the lively bedbugs, and the opium fumes. Um, Flora slept next to Archibald. Amazing. While Archibald, Caroline, and Sheng Min whispered scriptures to each other, Mm. and each one experienced a deep peace in a Mm. difficult situation. Mm. At dawn... Ma, Mandarin Ma, went out to supervise this final preparations. Silently, the little group took the last farewell of each other, praying together, Father, if this is not your will, that we die at this time, then for the glory of thy great name, bring their counsel to nothing and weaken their arm. Hmm. Ma ordered them out to the litters. The Glovers went first, and then Ma brutally seized Caroline by the hair, dragged her from the king, and thrust her to the door with a blow from his fist. Oh, my gosh. Shang Min was not allowed to follow them. All three litters started out of the courtyard into the street. Outside the gate, the road was lined for 100 yards with armed boxer guards dressed right. in red. They had swords and spears, and then on either side of the road, as far as the eye could see, there were... as a, just a dense multitude of villagers wow. with just any kind of weapon that yeah. they could think of in their hands. Wow. Yeah. So the next thing that happened was that Ma um, called for the gong to be sounded um, to make sure that the, Watch a- the attack, attack would okay. happen in unison. Right. But instead, everyone just stood there and nothing mm-hmm. happened. You know? <laughs> Wow. I know. So Ma dashed forward. He pulled at the bridle of the lead donkey, um, cursing and raging, saying, you people are too peaceable. You've ruined this whole business. (laughs) And then he put his head into Archibald's litter and said, throw your bedding out quickly. So Archibald complied, and then he and Headley jumped to the ground. He looked back to see what happened to Caroline, but he couldn't see her anywhere, oh, but man. he did see Flora and Hope, and he ran towards them. Poor Flora, her hair was just all over the place. Her <laughs> face was ashy white, mm. but she was perfectly calm. There were bruises and torn clothing, but not a scratch on them as Hope was as calm as her mother. Wow. Yeah, miraculously, <laughs> Caroline appeared, and she was also, I know, okay. unhurt and calm. Thank it's the God. Lord. Yes. <laughs> The people wrecked the litters and in a short time stole everything that they could carry away. And to their amazement, mm-hmm. as soon as the crowds had what they wanted, their stuff, they just disappeared. They just wow. They're gone. And there they were, just standing alone, hmm. no one around, no soldiers, no, no villagers. Um, so what do they do? They just decide, um, we'll just head back to the city. <laughs> so they go back what to the city. Do? And sit down to just kind of wait and see um, what God is going to direct them to do next. Mm. 
they were very much surprised to be alive. Mm. And they remembered Isaiah 8.10, take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak the word, but it will not stand, mm. for God is with us. That's exactly what, what happened. happened. They, yeah. yeah, their counsel came to nothing. That's amazing. Yep. It all seemed like a bad dream. So as they sat down waiting to see what they were to do next, Shen Min showed up. And he said, come quickly. We must be going. Mm -hmm. So they walked, you know, out of the village and down the road until they came to a divide. And there they saw um, some Hantian men about to follow them. So they they took the more hidden lower road um, and walked on. They were 700 miles from the nearest place of refuge. They'd been stripped of all their money, all their possessions, and they had no means of travel now but by foot with Mm. Flora pregnant and two little children. So when they came to a small village and found a grassy slope, they sat down under the shelter of small trees. They Mm. were met again by a group of men with hoes, sickles, and knives. And so they just sat down and resigned to die once more (laughs) from... Um, behind them came another group of Hantian men. The missionaries moved on, but they were followed by the men for the next hour or two. They mocked them and threatened them repeatedly with death. Mm. One of the men was especially wicked, saying, we'll strip them first and then break their heads. <laughs> Meanwhile, mm-hmm, Sheng Min had been able to find and buy two cakes of rice and dates for the children who'd been without food for 26 hours. Mm. The men's eyes glistened at the sight of the food, and the wicked ones snatched it right from the children as the cakes were reaching their mouths. I know. Creepy. He ate them greedily in front of the children. And interestingly, by this act, the barrier of restraint came down. With a wild shout, rob them, Mm -hmm. they rushed upon Caroline and the Glover family. They seized each one and tore their clothes from them. Mm -hmm. Glover looked for Flora, who was standing alone, stripped of her gown, looking for her children. Nearly seven months pregnant, she was flushed from the violent way she'd been handled, but she wasn't seriously injured. She said, oh, thank God you're alive. Have you seen the children? Where are they? Oh, my goodness. It was a heart-rending sight when they did see them. They were in uttermost terror and Mm -hmm. bewilderment, wringing their hands and crying. As stripped of their clothes, they ran distractedly. Um, among the mob, but the joy of seeing their parents eclipsed all that terror Mm -hmm. in the comfort of their parents' arms. And where was Caroline? She was lying, yeah, in the roadway 30 yards away, stripped of her gown, facing downwards and motionless. Sheng Min was with her. They lifted her up and her eyes opened. She had suffered a blow to the head and had become unconscious. So they found their way to a seat um, outside the food shop, and Hope had said, Mm. a man had threatened me with a sword, but I asked God not to let him hurt me, and he went away. At the sight of their misery, someone offered them a really thin millet gruel, which is really birdseed. Ew. Um, Yeah. Okay. um, And so they passed it from the food shop out to them, and... um, they, they thank God. They, yeah. they said, God bless the giver of this. Wow. Later, a filthy coat, such as professional beg- beggars wear, was handed over to the wicked one who now wore Archibald's Chinese gown. Mm. 
though the gown was disgusting and lice infested, he was grateful to have something to cover his naked body. Yeah, so he bowed to the naked one and put it on. You know, he bowed to the, oh, the beggar. Wow. Yeah. So they, yeah, they had no clothes on at this point. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, they might have had their underwear, right? The women. Because Victorians but, wore layers, remember? Yes. So lots of clothes. But, <laughs> I mean, still, how shameful and humiliating. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. Um, but what humility to bow to the wicked one who had, had, was wearing his Archibald's gown. Yes. And then just and put And just to it honor on. him, the beg- the yeah, the creepy guy. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> I know. Wow. So the day wore on, um, and then they remembered that the stripping was just the prelude to the murder. Mm. So they prayed for their would-be murderers. By the grace of God, God gave them love for their persecutors. They wrote, To find it possible to be possessed at this time by the spirit of divine love and compassion, instead of the natural spirit of resentment and hate— was to us the tangible evidence of the truth of the gospel that we preached, such as no philosophy in the wor- world could explain away. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, it, this is such a—we've talked about this earlier. Just yeah. what a powerful testimony this was. I mean, there's really nothing but the gospel—nothing but the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus could ever give anybody the ability to overcome stuff like this. No. I mean, to overcome such— you know, no, horrific uh-uh. treatment. No, it's all the Holy Spirit's yeah. work in a human heart. Right. Yeah. So over and over again, um, scriptures were brought vividly um, to mind. And Archibald wrote, It was as if Jesus drew near and talked with us along the way. And the words that he spoke were spirit and life. It was literally as though we heard his living voice beside us. Mm. It was that tangible presence of the comforter, the Holy Spirit, that was just remarkable to them. Exactly. Yep. They knew he was near. So on they ran um, in the the moonlight towards Wang Fang, and they were being pursued um, by four boxer soldiers at this point. So when they sat down um, for a little rest, the boxers came down and sat and began to talk to Shang Min, um, trying to find out how much silver they had left that they could steal from them. And, of course, they had nothing. Mm -hmm. And so for an hour, um, he sat there and tried to convince them, we have nothing. So anyway, um, the next thing that happened, boxers became so frustrated that they seized Caroline and Flora by the throats and tore their upper garments from them. Oh, wow. Yeah. The men faced the little group with the garments in their hands, and Archibald spoke up saying, You are human beings, it's true, but you have no feelings of humankind. Wow. This stinging reproach went home like an arrow to the mark. They flung back the garments, and one by one they melted away. Mm. And I just want to stop here before um, I get to the dark hour of trial, Mm. that The things that happened here this first week were typical of every day that followed for a total of almost six weeks. You know, they they still have five more weeks of this as they travel um, the thousand miles. So talk about extreme stress. Yes, unfathomable. So this is why um, what happened next shows us just how near God is when we are near the breaking point. Yeah. Yeah. So... So they that night they they got away from the boxer soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, they hid in a, an abandoned 
what was it? It was an abandoned. It was like a basin kind of area yeah. or something. Uh, yeah, it wasn't really. Yeah. It was just a place that was kind of hidden away where yeah. they felt relatively safe and hidden. Right. Um, and when they woke up the next morning, um, it was burning hot. It was Ugh. just burning hot. And um, the adults hadn't eaten for 40 two hours and all the children had had was the bird seed soup right so they were very hungry but they said it was nothing to the intensity of the heat and the thirst that they were experiencing they're kind of exposed they yeah. weren't in shelter yeah they were the they Ugh. were just yeah wow so the children's arms and legs began to turn burning red the skin dried um mm. and so did the their tongues mm-hmm. they were just so thirsty there was no shelter because they couldn't move on because they knew the boxer. Mm. They could hear them, that they were looking for them. Right. So when the children began to plead for water, um, Flora was just beside herself. Of course. It was, it was really mm-hmm. disheartening and distressing for her. And they cried, Mother, Father, water, water. Mm-hmm. So there was this sense of loneliness that began to creep over them. They, they all felt alone and helpless. Mm-hmm. And this was the beginning of um, their dark trial. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah, as if that wasn't already dark enough. I know. (laughs) Um, Flora, again, you know, being pregnant, began to show signs of exhaustion, which made Archibald anxious. Mm -hmm. The sun poured down, you know, just rays of fire. And so to protect them, um, Caroline and Archibald tried to cover them with with the little bits of clothing that they had. Oh, my gosh, the little underwear. Um, I know. It just seemed... Like the presence of the Lord was felt withdrawn from them, mm. and their heart, hearts were hoping, like Job, oh, that I might know where to find him. Mm-hmm. Um, but they wrote, All the while the Lord was near, for a time he willed for his great name's sake that our eyes should not see him. Shang Min had not returned, and with the increasing thirst, the saliva in their mouth. Um, turned to a sticky consistency, making it hard to even um, get the tongue, their tongues mm-hmm. off the roof of their mouth. It was getting harder to speak. And Archibald wrote, as the sun poured down its fiery heat upon us, the wicked one hurled his fiery darts at us. Um, but I fell back on what Jesus said. I have prayed for thee that they f- thy mm. faith fail not. Um, over and over, I said to the accuser, though he slay me, still I will trust him. Mm. Flora collapsed. Having known the bitterness of those hours, she lay prostrate at her husband's side, overcome with physical weakness yeah. and a troubled soul. She began panting and gasping for breath. Oh, gosh. And so um, he he and Caroline thought, oh, no, she's dying. This might be it, yeah. Yeah, this might be it. In agony of soul... Flora cried out, Oh, God has forsaken us. Mm. It can only be that we are not in his will, or else he surely would never let this happen to us. Besides her physical stress, Caroline and Archibald feared that this was it. But he said it was nothing um, to the trouble of her soul. Mm. Scarcely had those words of anguish passed from Flora's lips that God put into Caroline's mouth the most wonderful song of praise Archibald had ever heard. Kneeling by Flora's side and holding her hand, Caroline poured forth passage after passage in Mm. her ear, promise after promise from this 
scriptures, exalting his name, declaring his faithfulness, and proving his unchanging love, sworn to us and sealed in the blood of his own son. Archibald wrote, Never shall I forget the music of that heavenly utterance from Caroline's mouth. Instantly, the darkness was past. The light was shining again. Mm. The expression on Flora's face changed to joy unspeakable. Wow. Whereas a moment before, it had been distressed. Yeah, just completely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she was so calm the whole time mm-hmm. until this moment. And so, yeah. it's yeah, it's amazing. The Lord she, met her here. And she said, yeah. I will never, never doubt again. Mm. And so the three of them sang from the hymn, Oh, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's mm-hmm. ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away the fear. Mm-hmm. So now Flora, um, apparently from a dying condition, now she suddenly revived and sits up um, with restored vigor. Well, wow. This tangible visitation of grace encouraged their hearts, though there was still no sign of Shang Min. Mm-hmm. Um, the situation reached its climax when Caroline suddenly fell faint. Mm-hmm. Um, they wrote, it seemed like this was the last revengeful thrust of a retreating foe. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, the sense of helplessness washed over them, and they prayed for her. Archibald heard at this time when they were praying a distinct voice saying, up, get thee down, and tarry not. Mm-hmm. The impression was so deep that he told Flora they must gather up any strength that they have mm-hmm. and and just go. Yeah. So taking Caroline by the arm, they whispered in her ear, Dear sister, we must get going without delay. Mm. In the name of the Lord Jesus, get up. In a moment, she rose up with strength from above, from their hiding place. They headed in the direction of Sheng Min. The children offered little smiles on their suffering faces mm. and slowly and painfully they made their way down the hill and they saw the hoped for stream and wow. ran straight into it. They drank their fill, they sat down in it, and they soothed their sunburned bodies. Their hearts were full of gratitude mm-hmm. as they lay down to rest in a shady graveyard. Wow. After seven hours in the sun, um, they found that quiet retreat and thanked mm-hmm. God for the power that he had given them to endure. Wow. So what Archibald had called their great trial had actually brought God miraculously near. So near, God, yeah. the Holy Spirit, broke into their experience to be that very tangible and unmistakable present help and comforter in time of need. Yeah, yeah. and I love their story because it's such a um, vivid picture of so many scriptures about suffering and about mm-hmm. trials and God's presence. You see yeah. it literally happen in their lives. Yeah. It's just so powerful. I love that. So, yeah. Yeah, just uh, one more thing. Just that the grace to be able to love and pray for those that persecuted them. Mm. um, Just it was a divine That is so divine. Yes, it's so powerful. You've got to read that story, everybody. I mean, for yourselves. Because this is, I mean, this is a a good portion, but it's just scratching the surface of the entire Mm -hmm. account. It's just one, it is one miracle after another. Yeah. Well, the next um, story happened in China after the Boxer Rebellion. Okay. And it's taken from um, Mildred Cable's life. Who oh, yes. You and Cheryl shared about last year. Yes. And go back and listen to that episode, folks, so that you'll be familiar <laughs> because, I mean, this is another really great story, a different kind of situation. But it's this is the part that you're going to share, I think, is something I didn't really talk about. 
right. in, in um, when when I shared right, on her. Right, because it was the last four years of mm. her um, life on the mission field. Yeah. yeah, I probably had to skip that part because it was <laughs> for sake of time. Yes, <laughs> go so, for it. Anyway, I remember. Um, I remember you sharing her life story last year, but mm. it made me think of the time when, after twenty years of um, evangelism and teaching children. Eva and Francesca and Mildred mm. believed that they were to turn their work over to the national um, Chinese Makes leaders. Sense. Yeah. And praying about what's what was next, the three applied to work at a relatively unknown, largely Muslim area of Western China. Hmm. From 1923, they spent the next 13 years following the trade routes, and as they said, tracing faint caravan tracks in the sand. Five times they transversed the length of the Gobi Desert, um, some 600 miles long. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and this particular story is excerpted from um, Desert Pilgrim by um, Phyllis Thompson. She was Mildred's biographer. Oh, I haven't read that one. That's probably why I didn't know this story. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. In 1932, the trio were captured by brigands and forced to tend the wounds of the Hui Chinese warlord general, who was known as the Thunderbolt. Okay, yeah, I remember him. Mm -hmm. They remained under his jurisdiction for the next four years and eventually made their escape to Urumqi in New Province. In 1936, Mildred and her two friends were still under house arrest with the Thunderbolt. Wow. He used Mildred's medical skills to tend his men, plus he enjoyed the intelligent conversations that he had with the trio, you know, totally just selfish and self-absorbed. Mm. But he also would have listened many times to their stories about Jesus in those four years of captivity. Mm. But an unseen hand protected the trio as they watched the Thunderbolt's cruelty. At long last, whilst the thunderbolt was away, the trio made their daring escape. <laughs> Days of stress and near recapture followed as they moved towards new province and freedom. Phyllis Thompson wrote, Traveling by night, they came to the abandoned village of Great Spring. The place was reduced to shambles, and the moonlight threw weird and grotesque shadows across their path. They were nearly to Baboon Pass, over the border and to safety in New Province. They were unloading their bed bags by lantern light when they saw a shadow move. Mildred gazed breathlessly. Then she saw that it was a man silently creeping toward them. Mm. He wasn't dressed in the gray uniform of the Thunderbolt's army, but in the faded blue clothes of a Chinese peasant. He was trembling with fear. I thought you were brigands, he gasped. I hid. Then I saw that you were our missionaries from the city of prodigals. Mm -hmm. How did you get here? No travelers have been through here for months. Mildred felt her nerves tightening. Why had he thought brigands would be here so close to the border? Had they not been defeated and thrown back from New Province? She asked, are the government troops not at Baboon Pass? He answered, they have fled. Mm. A squad of the Thunderbolt's men appeared, and the soldiers got in a panic. The pass is deserted, but there are bands of brigands hiding around in the hills here. I heard voices, and I was afraid that it was them. Fear in the night, 
If Mildred had ever known it, she knew it now. After two months of fleeing from the thunderbolt, she was exhausted, stressed out, and hungry. Safety was within their grasp, yet real danger lurked in those hills. My goodness. It's just (laughs) very similar in a way because it's just that constant fight or flight feeling and just that, man, the need for the Lord's presence. I mean, really, (laughs) how else could you cope? I don't know. You just couldn't. No, and she barely was. Yeah, she barely was hanging (laughs) on, as we see, right? I know. The silence of the ruined village seemed suddenly full of a sinister significance. The path that must be followed tomorrow wound through the very hills where the brigands were lurking. A safe refuge seemed further away than ever. Without speaking, she lay down to sleep, but sleep would not come. All manner of fears and doubts crowded in her mind as she lay, tense and cold, under the stars. The brigands would capture them. Mm -hmm. They would be taken back to the thunderbolt. His pitiless eyes were not easily forgotten, nor his voice repeating, treat them harshly, treat them harshly. She was afraid. The stars began to wane, and the morning star appeared. Mildred realized that her companions had fallen asleep. Only she retained the consciousness of that sinister silence, the eerie shadows, and the overshadowing fear of being captive again. Mm. And then she heard it. Coming softly but clearly over the open spaces of the desert was a song. It sounded as though it were being sung by vast and unseen choirs. All its harmonies were intoned in perfect distinctness. She had heard the hymn many times before, but never sung like this. The words came with such strong, soothing power that all her nerves relaxed at last. She heard, He is watching over Israel. He slumbers not nor sleeps. He slumbers not nor sleeps. Was it angels singing? Mildred never knew. She only knew that God the Holy Spirit was round her and underneath were those everlasting arms. All her fears faded from her mind and Mildred fell asleep. They were safe at last at Urumqi. The little cart had made its way through the bandit-infested hills, none hindering nor molesting the trio. As they had transversed one particularly lonely pass, two armed horsemen suddenly appeared at midnight, not to challenge, but to escort them on their way. Oh, wow. Who they were, the trio never knew. (laughs) Were they angel visitors? Yeah, (laughs) seems like it. (laughs) They spoke very little, merely urging them on to hurry, hurry. And hours later, in a deep ravine, they disappeared just as mysteriously as Hmm. they had appeared. Now, two months after escaping Little Peking, the missionaries had arrived at last in the capital of New Province. Behind them, the Thunderbolts Revolt was spreading like a forest fire, and some of the peaceful towns that they had recently passed through were already in the hands of bandit armies. They knew that they were to return to England, and as the same guidance which had convinced the three of them to make their dash for liberty, now that same guidance assured them that they must go further on. Mm -hmm. And the trio left China in 1936. So they were safe at that point. That's just, man, amazing. I love that underneath are the everlasting arms. That's just so beautiful. That's one of my favorite verses. She felt it. She knew it and she could sleep then. Yes. Looking at these two stories, though, we see that Mm. God, the Holy Spirit, often will visit in a dynamic way. He knows how much stress we can take. Mm. You know, he might even send an an angel chorus to Mm. comfort us in a desert place. 
exhausted and hungry. Even Francesca had fallen asleep, but Mildred didn't. Mm -hmm. She lay awake in fear. But a wounded reed he will not break. Mildred was near the breaking point, but she was sung to sleep by that heavenly chorus wafting over the desert. She didn't break. Mm -hmm. Thank God that he watches over us and for his individual personal care of us. Yeah, boy. Yeah. What a powerful testimony, both of these stories of just being near breaking point. But I love that. A bruised wheat reed, he will not break. No. And what a comfort to anyone who is going through something like that I right know. now. This has been a time of great distress, you know, in our world. And so uh, we need that reminder that the Holy Spirit can meet us so specifically, like you're saying, yeah. in our exact situation. And he knows exactly how to do it. Yeah exactly how to meet us. Yeah, right? it's beautiful. Yeah, fellowship yeah. of his sufferings. Thank you so much, yeah. Mom, for sharing those stories. I love it. So, and thank you for joining us. We hope you really were impacted as I am by these stories. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, we would love to hear about any a women that you think we should know about, uh, any women worth knowing. And so you can write in to us, wwk at cccm.com. That's our email address. You can also find us at the women.cccm.com website also graciouswords.com. You can uh, find a link to click on there as well. So until next time, thanks for joining me, Mom. You're welcome. Thanks for <laughs> we'll having me. We'll see you me. next time. Yes. <laughs> see you next time. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett.